Good morning, church. How are you doing? Wow. That was fun. Uh, good morning, church. How are you? That, I mean, that's probably the most significant improvement I've ever experienced on the hello. Uh, my name is James. I have the great joy and privilege of being the pastor here at Christ Point. Uh, if you are new, thanks so much for being with us this morning. I want to invite you, if I could, to pull out your phones. Pull out your phones. Cell phones. Who has a cell phone? Handy dandy cell phone. Don't be shy. Pull out your cell phone and uh, go to the app store and look for uh, this app, the Church Center app, the Church Center app. It's going to look a little bit like this. Uh, you'll see it on the screen. Uh, if you go to the Church Center app and then click on that, if you've already registered through Planning Center, I believe, before, uh, then you'll have access to that app. If you need to set up an account, you can do so. It's really easy to do. Uh, I went on there this morning. I clicked on it. This is the best way to have in one place everything that's taking place at Christ Point. If you want to know, like, hey, what's coming up next week? Uh, you can click to on events on the bottom of this little app. And there is, uh, and I, th I thought this was funny. I was over here this morning and I did this and it was humorous to me because the first picture on here, you can't see it from where you are, but it's a picture of uh, yours truly, your pastor, uh, putting food in the back of Catherine Foster's car uh, to take to Mission City Church. And, and we have next week, we're collecting groceries for Mission City Church. I found this humorous because um, this was such a pastor move. Uh, Kalina was taking pictures on this particular Sunday. Uh, I didn't do anything that day with the food, but I saw that Kalina was taking pictures. And so a, a classic pastor move is to make sure you get the shot of you actually doing something, even when you weren't doing anything. And so the picture here is your smiling pastor putting groceries into the back of Catherine Foster's vehicle, even though that's the only thing I did all morning. And so just, I mean, just a little fun fact for you, but, but get that app if you haven't done so already. Uh, keep in touch with everything that's taking place at Christ Point. Uh, if you are new to Christ Point, I want to let you know or remind you, if you've been here for a while, that we exist to point people to Jesus. We exist to point people to Jesus. One of the practical ways that we do that is by engaging all people. Uh, people in our community, people in our own backyard, and people all around the world. And so this morning, I want you to hear from Lottie. She's going to come and share with you a very practical way that we can engage all people uh, next week. And so let's give it up for Lottie. Thank you. Hi, Lottie. Hi. Yes, it is. Okay. Hey, can you I ask you a question me? real quick? Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, what do you think about the Hornets this year? Um, honestly, I don't follow them. My husband does, and he bought me this sweatshirt. So, thanks, uh, Jamal. Yeah, thanks, Jamal. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we have the Operation Christmas Child packing party next week. We're so excited about it and the opportunity to pack all the shoe boxes because of your phenomenal involvement and engagement. We are up to 600 gospel opportunities. Yes. Clap. That is, that's 600 children all over the world that are going to hear about Jesus, and some of them who will come to accept him as their, Lord, as, his Lord, as their Lord and Savior. So that is awesome, awesome news. Um, thank you so much for your engagement with that. Um, just some details about it, though, if you're coming. Church will look a little bit different. There'll be coffee, donuts. Make sure you're dressing warm, um, ready to serve. Families are welcome, so make sure that your children are participating with you, that you're talking to them about why we're doing this and the importance of it. 
And if you have preschool children, they'll um, have childcare from 9 to 11, and the event will be until about 12 or until we're done packing the 600 boxes. So the last two years have been wonderful. We're hoping to have you guys out, and thank you again so much for getting us to 600 boxes. Thanks. No, you did fine. That was great. That was great. Sorry about the feedback, everyone. Um, wonderful. Uh, let's pray together as we open up God's word. God, what an incredible opportunity that we have as a people to be a part of what you're doing, not just in our own backyard, but around the world. Uh, we thank you for the opportunity that we have next week uh, to put together shoe boxes for 600 uh, little boys and girls around the world who will not only receive a gift, uh, but will receive the gospel, which is the best gift anyone could ever receive. Uh, Lord, thank you for the opportunities that we have leading up to this event to prepare uh, for that day. Uh, so much work and prayer has gone into it, and I give you thanks for uh, the many hands who have made that possible. Uh, God, we pray expectingly that you are going to do something great uh, for your name's sake, and we just give you thanks that we have the opportunity uh, to be a part of it. Uh, Lord, now I thank you so much for your living and active word. I thank you that we have the opportunity to open it together and to learn from you. Thank you that you have spoken to us, that you haven't remained silent, uh, that your word is practical for life, uh, and it is used to form and shape us uh, for all of eternity. And so I pray that you might do that now. God, we love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen. Kiddos, you are dismissed if you have not yet left. Uh, oh, you haven't. I see movement. Wonderful. I just wanted you to stay for my prayer. Lovely. Goodbye. See you, kids. Good talk. Wonderful. Um, well, I will never forget the sound uh, that I heard in the hallway of eighth grade. Uh, two eighth grade heavyweights uh, were going to fight. And other students had caught wind of what was taking place and they began to gather outside of gym class and form a circle uh, because they wanted to watch and see what would unfold. Uh, they also wanted to protect the students from the teachers so the teachers didn't break up the fight before the action started. I still remember the two eighth grade boys as they approached one another. It was clear uh, on their faces that they didn't want to talk things out. Right? They were about to throw down. I'll never forget it. And, and it's not that I'll never forget it because of what I saw. I'll never forget it because of what I heard. It was the first time in my life I heard a human fist uh, connect uh, with the face of another human being. I don't know if you've heard the sound before, but if you have, uh, you never uh, forget it. It was quite the spectacle. I remember watching these two boys throw down, thinking to myself, God, I am so grateful that that's not my face. Right? I mean, it was, it was ugly. It was barbaric. I didn't walk away from that situation thinking to myself, that seemed like fun. Uh, instead, I thought, I never want to experience that uh, ever again. Now, certainly, uh, over the last 30 years, uh, since I have been in middle school, uh, times have changed. Uh, people no longer watch fistfights from a distance. 
As a matter of fact, they don't even have a front row seat. Actually, more often than not, people are apt uh, to actually get in the ring and join the fray. More often than not, it is not literal punches uh, that are thrown, uh, but verbal jabs. Uh, People are increasingly uncontrolled and unhinged. Anger is a growing problem in our culture and in our country. Healthy disagreements and debates and dialogue has been replaced with verbal punches, crippling one-liners, and character assassination. Uh, Anger is on the rise. And if you're here this morning and you disagree with me, we can fight about it. Uh, There is a scene from the movie Toy Story. It's my favorite part of the movie uh, when Mr. Potato Head is uh, leaving and going out and Mrs. Potato Head is packing his parts. Uh, I don't know if you remember that scene and she's like, you know, here are your shoes. And then she says to him uh, this line that I'll never forget. She said to him, and make sure to remember to pack your angry eyes in case you need them. I want to encourage you this morning uh, to actually do the opposite. I want to encourage you to unpack your angry eyes because anger destroys. It destroys relationships, it fractures friendships, and it debilitates families. But anger isn't simply a growing problem. Anger is a deadly disease. A Puritan John Owen once said, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. Jesus shows us how in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5. And so if you have your Bibles, I would invite you to turn there with me. Matthew uh, chapter 5, uh, beginning in verse 21. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21, uh, Jesus is speaking to the crowd, and he said, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Uh, This morning, uh, before we start unpacking these verses together, I want us uh, to think about um, authority. I want us to think together about authority. Authority. Can I ask you a question this morning? Who uh, is the source of your authority? Uh, who is calling uh, the shots in your life? Uh, one of the common things that we read in the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus will begin a teaching uh, with this saying, you have heard it said. In other words, the teachers of the day, the rabbis of the day, the spiritual leaders of the day, um, they're teaching and preaching one thing, but, but then Jesus kind of turns it on, his, on its head and says, but I say to you, but you have heard it said, but I say to you, but you have heard it said, but I say to you. It's a familiar refrain. Uh, Jesus is saying to the crowd that he is the one who has ultimate authority in life. Uh, this is what you've heard This is what you've been taught, but I say to you. 
It's as if the professor is standing in front of the class and he is uh, giving his talk. He is presenting his lesson and Jesus uh, walks up to the front and taps uh, the man on the shoulder and says to him, I'll take it from here. And so my question to you is, who is your authority? In other words, who are you following in life? Who has ultimate sway? Uh, Whose opinion is most valuable to you? Who sets the pace and the direction uh, for how you live? Is Is it a teacher? Is it someone who's been around for a while? Is it someone who is new to the scene? Uh, is it you? Are you calling the shots? Uh, have you made a determination and ultimately you're going to decide how to live your life and what to do and what to say and how to operate? Or is it Jesus? Um, I don't know about you, but I love autonomy. I love autonomy. Um, I, I love uh, calling the own shots uh, to my own life. We, we love to be uh, captains of our own ship and masters of our own fate. We like to be in control. Um, but one day Jesus uh, gathers a group of people uh, on, on a mountainside and says to them, uh, you have heard it said, but I say to you, That question of authority changes the way not only we read the Sermon on the Mount, it changes the trajectory of our lives. With that being said, I just want to point out just a couple observations that we see from the text. A first observation is that I want us to be reminded of is that Jesus is not agreeing or disagreeing with the Old Testament law. Jesus is not disagreeing with the Old Testament law. When Jesus says, you have heard it said, uh, do not murder, Jesus is not correcting that teaching and and saying something completely different. He's he's not telling people, hey, like, like murder under certain circumstances is okay. I think we know inherently that it is not. Sometimes we debate about things like... um, like, like just war, or, or maybe we debate things like the death penalty and whether or not that's uh, above board or not. Jesus isn't addressing those things. Uh, he is saying to the crowd, you've heard it said, do not murder. And he is actually agreeing with that. But if you talk to your buddy and, and he's telling you a story and he's like, and so I saw this guy and he looked at me funny, so I killed him. Like you would be like, whoa, like time out. Like, you, we, like we know intrinsically Um, that that is wrong. And so Jesus is not taking Old Testament teaching here in this particular verse and throwing it out. He's not doing that. What he is doing, or or secondly, um, second observation, Jesus is not teaching uh, that murder and anger are the same thing. Uh, He is saying uh, that both damn you. Jesus is not teaching that murder and anger are the same thing. He, he is saying to the crowd that both will cause you to be guilty uh, before a holy and a just God. Look at verse 21. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Um, All sin, regardless of the sin, regardless of what it is, is serious and deserving of eternal punishment. 
Uh, however, as one theologian noted, uh, not all sin is equal in terms of its effects, consequences, and degree of punishment on the person, uh, on another, or on society. Let me say that again. Uh, not all sin is equal in terms of its effects, consequences, and degree of punishment on the person, on another, or society. Let me illustrate that for a second. So um, think about uh, stealing. I haven't met anyone uh, who would argue that like, stealing is a good idea. Um, we would say, like, that's, that's wrong. You shouldn't do that. But uh, if you're seven years old and you take spare change uh, from your parents' dresser, right, their little coin jar, um, the consequences for that decision is different than if you uh, were to uh, dream up a Bernie Madoff type scheme uh, where you steal uh, hundreds of millions of dollars from people. Like the, the consequence is different. A gluttony is a sin. Using food to medicate, uh, thinking that all your problems will go away, trusting in carbs over Christ uh, is not pleasing to the Lord. But, but uh, running a meth lab from your basement and distributing it, distributing it at a local elementary school uh, has a different consequence or punishment. Right? So, so Jesus is not trying to grade sins here and tell the crowd, like, murder is really bad, uh, anger is okay. Like, he wants the crowd to know that, that both of those condemn us before a holy and righteous God. We have a tendency, I have a tendency to minimize my sin uh, when I compare it to the sin of someone else. Like I think, yeah, I have my issues, <laughs> but my issues aren't as bad as his issues. Like we, we do this because we want to justify ourselves. But Jesus does not allow that. Jesus said, I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Now you can imagine, I think, if you're in the crowd, the, the hush that would come over uh, those people. Because I'm going to go out on a limb and say the vast majority of them that day uh, had never killed anyone. But when Jesus starts talking about anger and he starts talking about the words that we use, it changes the conversation a little bit, does it not? Jesus mentions three things. He mentions anger, insults, and he mentions the word saying, you fool. Uh, first, he addresses anger. Uh, there are two words used for anger in the New Testament. One means passion or energy. Uh, the other means means agitated or boiling. And so there, on one hand, passion. Passion in and of itself is not a bad thing. But being irritated and agitated, uh, having your blood boil, getting to the point where you're uncontrollable with your thoughts or with your words, that is what uh, Jesus is addressing. And scripture is clear. There are times when um, Jesus was angry. There are times when God the Father was angry. There are times when we as a people see sin and brokenness in the world and we get angry over it. Right? When you read a story about a woman who's assaulted on a train and nobody, 
Nobody does anything. Like that should cause our blood to boil. Like we should look at that and say, that is not right. Somebody should do something. Somebody should say something. Somebody should make that stop. But that's not what Jesus is addressing here. Uh, Jesus is addressing anger uh, toward another brother or sister. He is talking about being agitated towards someone or having your blood boil uh, when you think about uh, that person. Jesus said to the crowd, but I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Jesus continues and talks about insulting your brother. Uh, Some Bibles will have the word raka. I don't know if your version does. The word raka, uh, that that is a word that was used to insult someone's intelligence, uh, calling him or her empty-headed. It's like looking at someone and going, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. Jesus says, if you have anger toward your brother, unresolved anger, uh, if with your words you are demeaning to someone and putting them down, and he goes on to say, if you say you fool, uh, which was an attack against someone's character. A theologian, A.B. Bruce, uh, uh, did a great job explaining these two when he said, Raka expresses contempt uh, for a man's head. It's like saying you stupid. Uh, more, the Greek word that's used there, the word that we get our word moron from, is a word that means like you scoundrel. And so it's attacking someone's character, who they are. Now, listen, I get it. Like we all get angry, right? We all get angry. And so I read something like this and I think to myself, well, like I've been angry before, I get angry. Why is it like, why is it so bad that Jesus would say something like this. Like, what's, what's the big deal? Well, the big deal is when we look at another person uh, created in the image of God, uh, someone who has intrinsic value and worth, someone who God made as a masterpiece. And when we look at them and we shake our fist at them and say, you're an idiot, We essentially are looking at the work that God has done and we're shaking our fist at God. And so Jesus, again, is elevating the bar of the law and saying you have uh, the law down here so you can clear it. You think it's all about not murdering someone. And Jesus says if you have unresolved anger in your heart, then you are guilty uh, before God. And so... um, What do we do with it? Because all of us get angry. Maybe we read these verses or I read them this morning and you're going, that resonates with me. I've experienced that before. I've felt that before. I've said that before. And so what do we do? How do we respond? And Jesus gives two illustrations. He says, so if you're offering your gift, this is verse 23 of Matthew 5. Uh, So if you're offering your gift at the altar... And there are, and there, remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer uh, your gift. This is the first of two uh, illustrations. Jesus is painting a picture of uh, someone who is going to worship. They are going to the temple and they are going to offer a gift before uh, the Lord. Right? This, more than anything that comes to mind, is a spiritual endeavor. 
right? I mean, it's like, I mean, that's like a cool, like I'm going to the temple, I'm bringing my gift to the Lord. Like he's going to love my gift. He's going to be pleased. That's the picture that Jesus is painting. It's like you or me coming to church on Sunday morning. And uh, we, we put on our, like our best khaki pants and we iron our shirt and we think to ourselves, I'm going to go and I'm going to sing those songs and I'm going to listen to the message. I might even take some notes to get brownie points with the pastor. Communion, I'm going to take communion. Remember Jesus. Jesus is saying to the crowd, if you are doing that, right, if you're going to the temple to offer a gift, if you're going to church to worship and to serve, and you remember that somebody else has something against you, he says, leave your gift and be reconciled to your brother or sister. I mean, think about that. You're in church, got your Bible open, worshiping the Lord, and all of a sudden you have this, this random thought, this person comes to mind. And it's interesting that, that Jesus doesn't even say someone comes to mind that you have something against. Jesus says someone else comes to mind that has something uh, against you. He doesn't, doesn't say what it is. He doesn't say what happened. But this relationship has been tarnished. It's been severed. There's a person that, that you don't see eye to eye with any longer. Not only do you not see eye to eye with them, but you don't want to look them in the eye. Maybe you want to punch them in the eye. Like, you're not on speaking terms with this person. What do you do? Oftentimes, what we do is we stuff it. Like, we just think to ourselves, well, that was, that was weird. I haven't thought of that person in a long time. Like, we had that falling out. We, we had that disagreement. We parted ways. But whenever their name comes up, or whenever you think about them, or whenever you see them from a distance, you have that feeling in the pit of your stomach. And so what do you do with it? Sometimes we stuff it and we hope that it goes away for the day or for the next 30 years of our lives. Other times we justify our anger. Right? We, we start rehearsing the conversations back again or the decisions that we were made or the decisions that were made and we think to ourselves, yeah, you know, come to think of it, they, they were wrong. They didn't handle that well. That's on them. That's not on me. And so we stuff it. Or we justify it. But Jesus presents us with another option. He says, set aside your gift and go do business with that person. Jesus essentially is teaching the people and, and telling the people that God cares more about you reconciling with your brother or sister than he does with your service to him or sacrifice before him. Jesus is like, you, you go do business with him or her. Like, then you come back and serve. But take care of that first. And that's difficult, is it not? Man, is that hard to do. Because you can't control how someone feels or thinks or responds. Uh, but... 
you are not responsible uh, for their response. Your responsibility is to go. Right, is to go. We, <laughs> I mean, how many times have you looked at a relationship that's been broken or tarnished and thought to yourself, 95% of the problem is them. Maybe, maybe 5% is mine. Maybe 5%. Probably closer to 97 them, 3% me, if we're just being honest. But, like, what's your three? Like, what's your 5%? Like, would you be willing to take ownership of, of that? Would, would you be willing to, to set aside your, your thoughts and your, your feelings and your frustrations and your anger and, and just go to someone and just say, hey, I just want you to know that I have no animosity toward you. I have no animosity towards you. Like, I, I, want, you, I, want, you, I want you to know that, uh, that, that what I said or what I did when I responded in this way, I, I, was, I was wrong. I was wrong. Would you forgive me? And then say, I just want you to know I want, I want what's best for you. Like, I want God's best for you. And not just to say it, but to actually mean it. To say, God, like, pour in my heart such a love for this individual that I'm not blowing smoke when I go talk to him. But that, that, I, that I actually mean what I say. This is what Jesus is calling his followers to do. He's calling us to take ownership of our relationships, to seek reconciliation when possible. And then he gives another example in verse 25. He says, Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, uh, you will never get out until you have paid uh, the last penny. Right? And so there's an issue here between a, a brother and a sister, two brothers. We don't know, but there's an accuser. Right? And the accuser has an issue or a problem with someone else. They've done something that's been out of bounds. Right? And so Jesus is painting this picture uh, to, the, to the crowd and saying, uh, it, it's best for you to seek reconciliation with that person or to do business with that person as opposed to having that person uh, take you to the judge and you have to fall down in front of the judge and, and essentially beg for mercy. Because the, the judge may not be uh, as merciful or as forgiving as maybe your friend might. So let me paint a picture. I don't, I don't know exactly what this might look like for you, but th this came to mind recently. I was just thinking to myself, let's say hypothetically uh, that you borrowed something from a friend. Like just hypothetically, you, you borrowed um, a bike rack. You borrowed a bike rack because you wanted to take uh, your family to the Virginia Creeper Trail. So hypothetically, let's say back in March or April, uh, you called a friend and said, hey, could I borrow your bike rack? Oh, we're going to go on a bike ride. And your friend very graciously said to you, absolutely. Like, absolutely, you can, you can use the bike rack. And I said, thank you uh, so much. Let's call the friend, just for the sake of the illustration, let's call him Andon. Let's call him Andon. So I call... Er, 
This person calls his friend and says, can I borrow the bike rack? And he says, absolutely, sure. You can use it. And he uses it. But then a weekend passes, and then a month passes, and then like five or six months pass. And you forget that you actually have the bike rack in your garage. It's completely slipped your mind. And so your friend Brandon, Andon, uh, calls you one day and says, hey, dude, you got my bike rack. Can I have that back? And you respond by going, no, I don't. Because it's been so long since you borrowed it, you don't even remember you have it. And you think to yourself, if it's been six months, then I think legally it's mine. I think there's like this statute of limitations or something where like I just get stuff after six months. But he says, no, 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 that's mine. And I said, no, it's not. It's not yours. It's mine. And he says, oh, no, no, no. No, it's mine. And he said, no, it's not. And he goes, listen, I'm going to give you some options. You can give the bike rack back to me and we can call it good. Or I'm going to take you to Judge Judy and I'm going to get the bike rack. I'm going to get the bikes that go on the bike rack and I'm going to get the vehicle that pulls the bike rack. Right? It, it's up to you. Jesus is, is saying it's, it's better to go to your friend and say, listen, I want to make things right. I want to, I want to make it right. Brandon, did you want this back? It's been, I really think it's been six months. Maybe five? Your bike rack's here if you want it. I'm not going to keep it. Um, do business um, with the people that you have a problem with and do business with the people that have a problem with you. This is what it could look like. I came across this just a week ago. I thought it was so good. Um, there's like four, four things that we can do. I think they're biblical. I think it's helpful. So write them down. Uh, number one, be honest and speak. Uh, be honest and speak. Uh, people uh, cannot read your mind. I know a lot of you haven't met a mind reader yet. Like, if you have an issue with someone or someone has an issue uh, with, with you, uh, be honest and, and speak with words. Like, go, go to that person. Uh, secondly, stay uh, current. Stay current. This is so, so important. Listen, if, 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 you, like it, if you are unwilling uh, to have difficult conversations with people and instead stuff your frustrations, not for days or weeks, but for months or for years, Man, you, you are carrying around weight with you that you don't need to carry. But if the Lord brings someone to mind and you're thinking to yourself, they said or did something years ago. Like, and you haven't gone to them? It's just not, it's not healthy. It'll eat away. It'll eat away at your heart. A third, attack the problem and not the person. Attack the problem and not the person. What I mean by that is as we're talking to people who we have disagreements with or we experience anger toward, 
avoid statements like you are or you always. See, what, what that does is it immediately paints someone uh, as, quite honestly, something they're not. Like, you're a jerk, or you're an idiot, or you're fill-in-the-blank. Don't say stuff like that. It's not God-honoring. Say, when you said this, or when you did that, like, this is how it made me feel. Right? So you're not attacking a person. You're attacking a problem. Be honest and speak. Stay current. Attack the problem, not the person. And fourth, act, don't react. Act, don't react. Act, don't react. Typically, our first initial response in a situation is not God-honoring. It's just not. Like our first impulse, like what we feel in the moment where we feel slighted or hurt or angry usually isn't good. Um, last Friday or this past Friday, Melissa and I went uh, to have a pizza with some friends down in Plaza Midwood. I don't know if you've been there before. There's a lot going on in that place. Like there's a lot of cool people hanging out there on Friday nights. I, it's impossible to find a parking spot. It's like looking for a needle in a haystack. And when I say it's impossible, I'm not joking. Like, it's impossible to find a parking spot. And so Melissa and I pulled into this, like, parking lot of some random restaurant. We're just looking for a parking spot. And I could just tell after pulling in and veering to the left that there were no spots. And so I decided to myself, James, just pull it in reverse a little bit and then just leave the lot because there's no spaces there. So I do that. I put the car in reverse. I start pulling back. And when I pull back and put the car in drive and start going toward my exit, there's another car coming right at me. And he has the nerve, the gall, to flash his brights at me three times. Not once, not twice, but three times. Bam, 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 bam. I know what he was saying to me. He was saying, you're an idiot. What are you doing? What are you doing? Moved a little closer, and he moved a little closer, and then he rolled his window down, and I rolled my window down, and I saw that it was my friend. But, but my first thought when he flashed his brights was like, what do, you, what do you want me to do? Like, what are you thinking? I did not think happy thoughts. I was packing my angry eyes. And I thought to myself, how foolish would it have been in that moment if my friend sees me and I don't see him and he's just saying hello and I'm saying something else. It would not go well. Act, don't react. Sometimes that means that you're going to be quiet uh, for a minute or two or a day or two. Not years, but you're going to bite your tongue you're going to pray, and you're going to seek the Lord, and then you're going to have a conversation. So listen, um, Christ Point, take inventory of your relationships this morning. Um, are you currently harboring anger or bitterness toward anyone? Is there someone in your life who you kind of navigate around town and think to yourself, I hope I don't see them. I hope I don't cross paths with them. I hope I don't run into them. Maybe, just maybe, God is moving you to reconcile uh, with that person. 
like to go to them and to have a conversation with them and say, hey, let's, let's talk about this. What does it look like for you this morning uh, to take that next step? Like just, maybe it's a phone call. Maybe it's a meeting. Maybe it's coming up to a brother or sister here and say, hey, let's, let's talk. Um, but I, I really believe that God wants us to move. Like he really wants us to act. Uh, anger is a serious business. It really is. It destroys relationships. It eats away uh, at our hearts. It splinters and divides uh, families. And, and I really believe that Jesus provides uh, a better way uh, as we go to him and ask for his help. And so let's do that right now. God, it seems pretty clear in your word that, um, that sinful anger, misguided uh, anger is serious business. And you want us to deal with it. You don't want us to ignore it. You want us to move into it and press into it. You don't want us to stuff it or justify it or, or cast it aside. And so I pray now, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would... Uh, give us the strength and the courage to do that. Lord, I pray if there are people here this morning that, that need to have conversations, whether it be with a family member or a friend or even a brother and sister uh, in the neighborhood or in this place this morning, that you would give us, you would give them uh, the courage uh, to do that. And I pray that, that you would be pleased. Uh, I really think that when we respond that way, when we see you as the authority in our lives and you call us to, to move and to function as this kind of people, I, I really think that that pleases you. And so uh, give us the strength and the courage to do that well. Uh, God, we love you. We thank you so much for loving us first. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen.